If you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, I've gotten Jordan's permission to depart from the Sermon on the Mount for one week. And uh, so I invite you to turn to Matthew 11. If you're using the Pew Bible, it is on page 865 in the upper right-hand corner of the right-hand column on that page that we want to read. I'm going to read beginning with verse 28. where we read an invitation that Jesus gives. It's an invitation to those who were there in his presence, who were able to literally stand and see him and hear the words as he was speaking them, but it's also an invitation that he gives to you and to me today as we're able to read those words in the scriptures they've been preserved for us. Jesus is making really a turn in his ministry as we read through the, if we were to read through the Gospel of Matthew, we would say that around chapter 10, there's kind of a turning point, and now it is becoming much broader, and as he gives this invitation, it's an invitation not, not just to the Jewish people, but it's to anyone who will come. To anyone who will come. And so for us who in this age are so accustomed to it, but it's a, it was an incredible thing to, to think of those who were in the surrounding areas who may have been there on that particular day, to hear Jesus give to them also this invitation was a marvelous thing. Let's read the passage there again, beginning in verse 28. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we turn to you as we turn to your word because we know that it is truth. We're grateful, Lord, for the invitation that Jesus gave and has provided. We pray that you will speak to our hearts through this passage this morning. There may be someone here today who has not yet come to Christ. May they recognize that this invitation is for them. Amen. And for us who know you, may you just refresh it in our hearts so that we recognize again the joy of living for you and serving you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we begin to look at the passage, I want us to make some observations. One is to notice the number of personal pronouns that Jesus uses in this invitation. He says that it's, you know, uses me. Come to me. Learn from me. I will give you rest. I am gentle. I am humble. My yoke. My burden. Everything that Jesus is saying here is 
using personal pronouns that help to draw the attention to him. Secondly, Jesus is giving the invitation in very personal terms. It's, a, it's an invitation that a person individually needs to respond to. It's not something that he would say, just you as a group do it, but you as an individual come to me. And again, he is putting himself at the very center of all that he is talking about. He cuts through all of the other things that we might speak of or think about when we think about religion or something and how we want to uh, think about our relationship with God in some sort of way. He puts himself right there as the very center of the issue. Thirdly, though he doesn't say it here directly, it really is a declaration of his deity. <clears throat> Because Jesus is speaking of himself being able to answer the problem of sin in a person's life. You may be familiar with the passage in Mark chapter 2 where there is this man who is brought in and, and he is unable to walk. And people are there and there are those who are excited about what Jesus might do and there are people who are wondering what is he going to do. And, and Jesus stands there and, and says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? But he goes on to say, but so that you will know, so that you can know that I have the power to forgive sin, rise and walk. And that man gets up and walks. And so Jesus is declaring that he has the power to forgive sin. And, and those people even in that crowd were murmuring and saying, who can do that? Who can forgive sin except God? And so Jesus through this really indirectly is, is proclaiming himself as God. He is the one who can forgive sin. And it's only the one who can forgive sin who can give rest. So he begins this invitation by saying, come to me. Come to me. What does he mean with that? Well, again, it's a, it is a call to a relationship with Jesus himself. And that's very, it's a very striking difference between what Jesus is saying and what those people are used to hearing. It's a very striking difference between what Jesus is saying and what many people in our day think about their rela relationship with God is. Because for many people, they would think back and turn back to the Old Testament and think about the Ten Commandments and they think that somehow this, this being a Christian means the keeping of rules. It's a matter of the things that you do and, and the things that you don't do. And that to them is really all that, that religion is about. It's trying to be a good person through balancing those things. I recently read a biography of Benjamin Franklin by uh, Walter Isaacson. 
And though Franklin did not claim Christianity, he did think that there were certain things that a person should do that would make them a better person in society. And so he kind of just came up with his own rules. He didn't worry about so much the Ten Commandments, because he, believe me, he broke a lot of those. But he, he was concerned, you know, about the own, his own set of rules. And the interesting thing to me about it was that he would keep a little, a little tablet in his pocket. And he had these rules written down, and when he realized that he had violated one of them, he would pull it out of his pocket and he'd make a little mark. And at the end of the week or a certain given period of time, he would check that and he would say, oh my goodness, I've really been violating rule number seven. I need to focus on improving in that area. And so he would do that. But he realized in focusing on that one, the next time he checked, there was another one that he had violated many times. And so he was constantly changing what he was trying to improve in himself without ever reaching even his own personal goal that he had set. For some people, that's what religion is about. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Amen. Jesus is talking about coming to him to, in faith that we might have the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is saying, if, if you'll come to me, I can deal with that root issue problem in your life. He's saying, come to me in, in a way that means submit to my lordship. Let me be the one who has authority over who you are and what you do in your daily life. It's very similar to the invitation that he gave to those who had become to his apostles when he said to them, come, follow me. So Jesus says, come to me, and he is inviting a particular, we might say, group of people, all you who labor and are heavy laden, all who are weary and burdened, some translations say, There's a great distinction again that we can see between what these people are experiencing and what Jesus offers. The Jewish people were accustomed to a lot of rules. And they, their leadership had taken the, the, the laws of God and there, we recognize there's a lot of those, but they had expanded those further and just every, every time they turned around, everything they were doing, they were, one person said they kind of expected the, the voice of the rabbi to ring in their head telling them something about some kind of law that they needed to do, some kind of rule that they needed to obey. And Jesus is inviting them to him. People are laboring and they're heavy laden and Jesus is offering rest. So what is this weariness? What is this heavy burden from? Well, it's not the idea that there are bad economic times and maybe they're having to work really hard or longer hours or maybe they just don't even have a job or maybe wages are too low to pay the bills or whatever it is and they're just weary and tired from all that working that they're having to do day after day after day. 
It's a description of, of people who are living with the idea that they can find favor with God and gain salvation by what they do. And yet at the same time, they realize it's not working. It's not working. They're weary because they're, they're trying to do all the things that they think they need to do in order to please God and they find out they're not doing that or they're trying to refrain from all the things that they think are displeasing to God and they find they are doing those things instead of not doing them. And they're just trying to earn their salvation. And I want us to just think about the idea that it's all by their own effort. And what every person who tries this and is honest will recognize is that works righteousness creates a heavy burden. It just creates a heavy burden. And Jesus recognized this. And he, when, he, when he looked out over the city, he would just desire that they would just come to him. Because again, he would offer them rest. They're weary because they realize no matter what they do, they could always do more. Or they feel like they should do more. Or they must do more. And yet, at the same time, they realize it really doesn't balance or even, you know, it doesn't pay the debt. If they were to put things on a scale and they feel like, okay, here's what I owe God. I've got to do more over here to bring it back up to try to balance it out. They realize that it never, it never balances. It never gets paid. And so they're, they're constantly driven to try to do more, hoping that it'll bring peace that never comes. They're heavy laden. Now, the law is not the problem. I don't, I don't want to get political here, so I'll try not to. But there are, there are people in our day who feel like the law is the problem. But doing away with the law is not solving the, the problem here that Jesus is speaking about. It's not the law that creates the heavy burden. It's my inability to, to fulfill the law that makes the burden. It's not just that it's hard or difficult to live up to God's holy standard. It's impossible. It's impossible. Perhaps you've heard the term total depravity. And that's kind of gives us a picture of it. That in every, every facet of our being, we are less than what we need to be. And we can look out and say, well, I'm not as bad as I could be in this particular area or in that particular area. Or and people compare themselves. We, you know, we say, well, I'm not as bad as they are. I'm not like that guy. And we put, again, we put ourselves on a scale sometimes and say, well, people do that. They think, well, you know, if God's grading on a curve, I should be in a pretty good spot. Because I know there's a lot of people worse than me. 
Not as good as they are, but they're not as bad as them. The issue, though, is that we can't be as good as we need to be in any area of our life. There's no area because God's holy standard is impossible for us to reach as sinful man. And the law was given for the very purpose to help us realize that. That we can see that inability in ourselves and turn to Jesus who again says to us, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And we all know just from a physical standpoint, again, this is not what he's speaking of, but we know from a physical standpoint, when we've been out and done a lot of work, and maybe you've done that recently, maybe you did it yesterday, it's hot outside and you're out doing a lot of work and you just get tired and worn out and thirsty and hot and you just can't wait to get finished with the job so you can go inside and get in the air conditioner or, or get you some of that uh, you know, sweet tea that us Southerners drink all the time and just kind of get refreshed. But you know what it's like to be sort of just worn out physically. But Jesus is talking about being worn out spiritually. Amen. And again, he puts himself at, as the focus. It's a rest that he gives. I will give you rest, he says, because he's the one who can deal with the weariness. He's the one who can deal with the heavy burden that sin brings in our life. Now, he does take it away, but recognize that he doesn't just take it away, but he gives rest. He replaces it with something good. He doesn't just leave it as a void that is there, but he brings something better into its place that he replaces in our life. If we were to turn to Genesis chapter 2, when God is creating and he has completed the work that he wants to do, it says what? He rested. It doesn't mean that God was tired. It didn't mean he said, whew, boy, that's been a long, hard week. I just need to sit down a while. I need to kick my feet up. It means that the work that he was going to do, he has brought it to completion. Amen. And so when Jesus is bringing this to, to and making it where we can have rest, it's because he has completed the work for salvation and there's not work for us to do. There's no work that we need to do in order to try to gain that. So he just says, I'll give you rest. Everything that was needed for salvation was accomplished by Jesus, by him coming into the world, by him living a sinless life, by, by him dying in our place on the cross and being resurrected to life. It's done. It's completed. And when we trust when we trust in his work alone, we enter into that rest. Amen. So we could say that about rest. is trusting our eternal destiny is securing Christ. Resting is trusting that God will bring to completion in our life and perfection the work that he has started in us. Resting is trusting that God will supply our needs on a daily basis. And there's a rest to be had, but again, it's only through Jesus Christ. So how do we, how do we live in that rest day by day? Well, Jesus speaks about taking up a yoke. 
Now, if you're old enough, I guess, or <laughs> especially generations past, more people lived on farms, and they would yoke up animals. They'd hitch them up to a wagon, put a yoke on them in some sort of way, and, and there, but there's a, the idea of, of being connected for the purpose of accomplishing a certain task. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. As you come to me, there's that element of submission that says, I've got a yoke. And it's for you. And if it's a double yoke, as we could think of it being, Jesus could have it upon himself and saying, will you join me? Are you willing to be yoked with me? If you are, I'll give you rest. But to get the rest, you've got to take up the thing that sounds like work. <laughs> yeah. But being yoked with Christ does some things in our life. It puts me at a place where I can be submitted to him. You know, it, 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 purposely, uh, it, it purposely chains me close to Christ. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And that, how does the hymn go, Richard? Prone to leave the God I love. There's that tendency. But when we say, I'm willing to submit myself to this yoke, with Christ. It puts me where I can be submitted to Him. It allows Him to control me. Often here, and I, I'm glad of the truth of it, that we say, Jesus is with me wherever I go. You know, we tell children that. Jesus will be with you wherever you go. When you go here, Jesus will be with you. When this happens, whatever, Jesus will be with you. And that is the truth. But I wonder sometimes if Jesus wants to kind of turn, really turn that around and say, I want you to be with me wherever I go. Amen. And, and being yoked with Christ does that. Suddenly we're not concerned about is Jesus with me because, boy, we're right there with him. And he takes us where he wants to go. He, he shows us what he wants to do. And it puts us in that place where we can see him at work. Because there's something that Jesus wants us to see there. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I think that means that he's different from what they think. And he wants them to be close. It's just like what he did with the disciples. Come follow me. I want you to be with me. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to be there when I do things because I know you need to learn from me. You need to learn of me. And being yoked with Christ does that. It allows us to learn his heart. I think sometimes when we just wrestle with our response to things that are going on, sometimes we need to be drawn back down to the idea that Jesus says he's, he's gentle 
and lowly in heart. And he wants us to be yoked with him that we might be that same sort of way. I talked to the pastor a few weeks ago when he asked me if I might be able to be here today. And I told him, I said, I, I just wanted to sort of touch base with you because I was kind of thinking I would not continue your series in the Sermon on the Mount. I'd let you have that and I would make this shift. And he, and he approved this message. Because the Christian life is not about taking one set of laws that we might think about in the Old Testament and replacing it with just a new set of laws that we have in the New Testament. We don't want to just go through the Sermon on the Mount and say, okay, here's the new, here's the new list of do's and don'ts. Jesus says, come to me. Amen. And if you're weary, if you're weary from all the activity if you're weary from all the things that you're doing, that you're trying to in some way reach to God, recognize that there's an invitation where you can come to Christ and he'll give you rest. William Barclay has said something like this. I've paraphrased it a little bit, but that the demands that Jesus puts on us are done in love. And our response in love to that is not burdensome. So if, if, if life has gotten burdensome in that way, if your relationship with Christ just seems to be that it's all just hard labor, recognize that that's not what Christ intends it to be. And the reality is there may be that need even for us as Christians, I think there is, to check on a somewhat regular basis to see how that is. Baptist churches are known for giving invitations. The invitation is the very foundation of the gospel. Amen. Jesus declared in Luke 19.10 that he has come to seek and save that which was lost. This church gives invitations. And the invitation that we give and that we give now in this moment is the same invitation that Jesus gave. Amen. Come to him, he says, and I'll give you rest. What he promised in these verses, he'll do for you this day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that in and of ourselves that there's nothing that we can do that makes us acceptable in your sight except to respond to the invitation that Christ has given. We thank you that he has made a way for us to come to you, to be in relationship with you, not just in this life, but for all eternity. It's a simple thing that he says Come to me and I'll give you rest. And yet we recognize that it's a life-changing thing because it puts us in the spot of declaring him Lord in our life and surrendering ourselves to him. Taking up that yoke and learning from him. But at the same time, 
It's enjoying the rest. Speak to our hearts this day. Help us to respond as your Spirit leads us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.